All right, everyone, welcome to Live with A Cork in the Road, where I'm going behind the wine in the Southeast and beyond to highlight people that are shaping the wine industry. They also inspire me to keep learning always. So today, my special guest, I'm so excited, is Manjula De Silva, and he's the regional sales rep for Laurier Imports. Manj, hi. Hey, Kelly, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Before we dive into hearing all about your wine journey and your adventures and what you do, um, I want to hear a little bit more about your current role. Tell us what you do. I know you're based in Atlanta, so tell us what your current role in the wine industry is. Well, I, I work for an import company. Uh, the company that I work for actually is owned specifically by the winery. Uh, so all our wines come from Slovenia. It's one winery in Slovenia uh, called Kletberda. And uh, my territory is the basically the southeast. I go from North Carolina across to Louisiana. And uh, I walk around with a wine bag and say, hey, do I try some wines? And that's that's kind of my role. I work with the distributors in each state and try and help them sell wine to their customers, the retail stores and, and restaurants in their area. So, yeah. That's so great. So what, you know, you hear a lot about sales rep and there's a lot of different kind of things that you do for that. But for you personally, what are some of your favorite things and your not so favorite things about this role? I know it's hard work. You say you go all over. So what are some favorites and not so favorites? Favorites. I love the travel, like being able to go uh, into different cities, whether it's Asheville or Greenville, um, New Orleans is part of my territory. So, you know, always a good time to, to travel there. Uh, but just bouncing around Atlanta, being around home, uh, go down to Savannah, the travel, and then getting to meet other wine professionals who are, you know, who really love and appreciate wine is a lot of fun, but then getting to show them something that maybe they haven't seen. Uh, because Slovenian wine, not exactly the the thing that most people have like a whole section devoted to. They're like, oh, no, no, another Slovenian wine, I just can't do it. So that's a lot of fun for me. I love being able to explore different areas and, and, and introduce people to new things. Um, I also love, I mean, wine kind of goes with food so much that, you know, you're always going into restaurants, you're always trying to, you know, Let's see what a restaurant scene is in a new city. And I love doing that too. So those two things, the travel, introducing people to, to uh, new things and, and restaurants. It's, I love that. The downside is paperwork. It, you know, I, I just, and, and my bosses will tell you I am the worst at just doing the follow-up marketing reports that we're supposed to do to, you know, after every visit or every uh, event. Yeah, I, I, I'm bad at that. It's the paperwork, it's the office work, it's the non-wine part of your job. I get this, this makes sense. Yes, the wine is the fun, the people, this is so great. But it sounds like you get a lot of FaceTime with people and you get to really talk about your wines, which is super, super exciting. So because you are so knowledgeable about the wines that you are selling and you're serving, Tell me how you got started in a career in wine. Was this always something that you were interested in? Uh, it was a hobby for a long time. Um, actually, starting in college, uh, I dated a, a woman who had, she loved pizza and champagne. That was her go-to, like, 
Friday night, that's what she loved doing. And uh, so we would do that, but you know, champagne when you're in college, on <laughs> college budget of being broke, um, we would have to experiment with other bubbles, you know? So I got really turned on to uh, Spanish cavas. And so that kind of started it. And then my first job after college was to work at Druid Hills Golf Club. Um, I got introduced to fine wine and dining, food pairings, heavy reds, uh, fell in love with that. Then went to California just as a cross country trip. Wanted to see the country, didn't know what else I was doing. Spent three months in Berkeley. And while I was out there, I got to go to the vineyards all the time. And this is, this is before Napa and Sonoma were like the tourist destinations they are now. So you could go in on a Wednesday and the place would be dead. They're not charging, which was, you know, again, awesome. And I really got to experiment, you know, I'd sit down either with the owner half the time or the winemaker and I'm tasting through their whites, their reds, I'm learning different things. And so I caught the bug. It was like, it was already kind of there. The white bug was already there, but that really kind of just sunk the hook. And I was, I was in it, but it took another 10 years before I decided to see if I could turn this into a career. It was kind of a long roundabout thing, but I uh, did the corporate thing for a long time. And, and after, after doing that, I just got fed up with it and I wanted to see if I could take a hobby and turn it into a career. And, um, yeah, it just, I got lucky. It worked. It worked. And here you are. I love that. You know, I hear that a lot of wine is, and that's actually the, the namesake of my brand because wine is always my fork in the road. It's not my current role. It has been in the past, but it's like yeah. wine always pulling you to follow it. Um, and I've always run into people that say that same similar thing where they are, you know, doing something else, but the whole time wine is interesting and it's an education at that same time. So, um, yeah, like, I want to, I'm really curious about that because I know that I met you. What are some other roles that you had? Because I met you here in Atlanta a few years ago and you were in a retail setting. Can you tell me about that time? I know you have some experience in retail and I think that's fascinating. So when you and I met, um, that was when I was working at Whole Foods and I, I worked as a wine buyer for the Whole Foods on Briarcliff Road for a number of years. I'd been at the Whole Foods um, in Buckhead for a couple of years before that. Uh, and, and retail was actually my background. I, my first job was working for Tower on Piedmont. And that's where I kind of, that was my first true wine job, working there, learning about wines. And there was, let me tell you, there was a lot of wine to, to like have to learn very quickly. And that's even after taking, you know, my intro, uh, intro sommelier courses. Um, but retail was kind of my background and, and I loved being able to take somebody else who had, you know, they had a, you know, curiosity, but not necessarily a, a whole lot of knowledge and being able to help them go from, you know, what they were comfortable with to slowly moving them to different things and getting them to transition to different wines that are outside of their comfort zone. Uh, that's always been fun for me. So uh, yeah, that's uh, working retail, working directly with the consumer and, and helping them. That was a lot of fun doing tastings when we were able to do tastings as well. That was, that's also a blast. 
Yeah. And you were kind of at the forefront for a lot of people. Maybe it was their first time ever feeling comfortable to go up to somebody in a shop and ask about wine. Think of how many times that you got to guide people into something new and explore. And I think that's what makes me curious as someone who is and now in a career in wine, how do you continue learning? Like, who do you go to and ask those questions? Are you still studying for anything or books that you're reading? Like, how are you continuing your wine education? Oh, wow, that's that's a great question. And it is, it's a, it's a little bit trickier. Um, sometimes you feel like you're, you're in the job and you're just you're doing the day to day and and you forget that you still need to stay you know rel paying attention to what's going on in the business um, but I, I mean I still read the wine magazines uh, I'm I pay attention to wine blogs and uh, you know seeing what people are are interested in what they're what they're uh, trying right now. Fortunately, I also get to go to industry conferences, uh, so like Texom, um, where you get, where you get, you know, really knowledgeable people who are putting on seminars, and they come out and they're they're, you know, you're tasting the wines while they're talking about it, telling you about the climate, the soil type, and all of that, and you really kind of get a feel for, for what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, those those industry things uh, are just I guess that's like it, it's both an education and a little bit of a an energizing experience because it it like reminds you that oh yeah there's always something else to learn and that's one of the things I loved about wine there's always something new coming out there's always a new a new a wine region that we're starting to explore there's a new grape that you've never seen a new producer new vintage. So yeah, it, that's the kind of thing that just keeps me learning. I am right there with you. I feel like you stole those words out of my mouth. I say that all the time. I'm like, I feel like I'm running. And at, the more I learn, the more I know I don't know. Like it's almost like you just keep diving in and it sucks you in in this beautiful way because you're never done learning more about wine. And I think we're in a really cool place because you get to see that in different markets. You know, Obviously you're working in kind of in that market where you get to say, oh, you know, what are people buying? What's selling well? And I'm really curious, given your perspective of Atlanta in the Southeast and all the places that you travel to, what are some trends that you're seeing? What are, what are people liking? What are they asking you for? What is, what is kind of the hot thing right now? Well, it, that's, that's kind of, uh, that is the trick in my job, right? Because I'm selling wines that come from Slovenia and it's, that it's the bleeding edge of, of you know where the wine world is right now. You know you have in certain markets when you go into uh, certain restaurants in Atlanta and Asheville in New Orleans, the sommeliers there are looking for wines from Eastern Europe. They're looking for Ribola Gialis. They've heard about it, they've read about it, and they're excited about those things, and they want to introduce their customers to those wines. But then you go into other areas where, where there's still, you know, a couple years, and as far as trends are concerned, a couple years behind, and you're still dealing with people who really want to, you know, they're comfortable with their favorite things. You know, California Chardonnay is still huge. And certain brands have 
you know, people say, oh, that's my favorite. They go to that, they stick with that. And getting them to kind of try something else can be a much, you know, much harder task. But that's kind of the fun of it too, you know, it's, it's the challenge. But I think across the Southeast, and I have a feeling it's, it's like this in the rest of the country too. Certain areas, you are, you've got people who are pushing the food. And honestly, this is where I have a little bit of an issue with some people, with some restaurateurs, right? They'll take huge risks when it comes to their food. And they're getting you to try things that you would never have thought about before. And it's amazing. It's, you know, it's an, an amazing dining experience. But they won't take that same uh, risk with their wine. They just, they're like, oh, well, we're just going to go with the same things that we know will sell. I'm like, why? Why? You've got, you've got people who are already coming out to you and they expect you to do unusual things for the food. And they're willing to go with you on that. They want, they're there for that. So come on, do the same with the wine list. You know, people, people want the whole dining experience. Give it to them. So yeah. That might be the best advice I've heard in a long time. That's so exciting. As someone who loves the kind of overall food and wine experience, myself and my friends, I always go out to restaurants and you're right about the food. The food here, especially in Atlanta and Decatur, People are doing some really great things. The chefs are taking chances. We're getting some really unique dishes on the menu and some famed chefs like with their backgrounds from studying all over the world. And for me, when I go in and I see a wine list, it has a wine that you know I might not even know how to pronounce. I know some of your wines in your portfolio I had to ask you about. Um, you know, it's for me, that's exciting. As someone who's constantly studying wine, I want things that challenge me into new places. And so I do that with food and flavors. And I also want that in my wine and in the complexity. So I'm right there with you. But I think in Atlanta, we have a great culture going. And I wanted to hear your perspective on, you know, you say there's some places that are taking risks. Where are you seeing some really cool places where people can learn about wine, find some new wine lists? What are some unique wine experiences around the city that you've seen? Well, Staple House, I think, is one of the finest restaurants in the city. And they're doing amazing things, both with the wine list and with the food. Um, this get, this just opened up in East Atlanta Village, Banshee. They do uh, the food is outstanding, and uh, they have a small wine list that they have spent a lot of time going through. I think they've got some. You know, they they took the time to figure out what we what would work really well with their foods, and I really appreciate somebody who does that. Uh, Decatur, I mean, I love going into to Leon's just because they're so good about playing with their wine list, changing it up, trying new things, and the food is always really good. So those are a few things, yeah, a few places that I love going to. And it is about the food and the wine combination. I think you're so right. So that's just really exciting to have. Um, what about some like classes or workshops um, around Atlanta that you think are things that people that are really interested in getting started in wine? Like, are there weekly tastings that you participate in and showcase your wines? Or where can we find more educational experiences? So there's a few uh, for outright classes. Uh, Atlanta Wine School. 
I'd definitely go there. Check them out. They do really great classes for beginners, and then they offer things going up to, you know, for professional level courses. Uh, so I think that's a great place to start. Um, for tastings, uh, honestly, that's something that I miss because I, I used to, when I was working retail at the, at the Sherlock's in Decatur, you know, we would do a, uh, every Saturday we would do a tasting and, and being able to, to do that every week was, was actually a lot of fun. Um, but around Decatur, you've got uh, Wahoo, uh, their little wine store does uh, tastings. Three Parks, I think during the week does tastings and they're great. Um, Perrin's Wine Shop on the west side, she does a fantastic job with her tastings. So those would be some places to check out. I'm trying to think of who else I would say. Pinotech uh, over in Inman Park also. And Katie does a fantastic job with her stuff there, so. Okay, all right. So because you are someone who explores all over and you gave us some great notes and tips for doing our own explanation, what do you like to drink at home? Are you drinking your uh, wine sponge or are you drinking other stuff? It's been known to happen that I might have some of our wines. You go out with a wine bag, you open up the bottles, you taste people on it, you have a few little things left over. Um, tasting one right now because you know I corbined it earlier. So yeah, there might be a few bottles of my stuff here. But I also love playing around with... Um, I mean, I still love wine in general. So yeah, I'm always also looking for what other people are doing. And um, so Rieslings, I've always had a, a thing for really good dry Rieslings. And there are, you know, when we think about Riesling, we think about sweet wines, but it doesn't have to be. And there can be some that are just bone dry, high acid, minerally that are just so much fun so finding those um i love bordeaux i love italian uh brunellos i can't afford to do those all the time but when i can always a good thing it's perfect you got to have those splurge wines you know you got to have <laughs> your wine occasions and you got to have your wine every days um i really like that you said rieslings i mean i know that i know that you have a lot of wines in your current portfolio that are super food friendly um and i really had a good time and you might have to remind me it is the whatever one that tastes like geranium flowers i swear that's what i smelled that's what i tasted um it was so unique but i was like this would be such a knockout pairing because it was super super floral and i wanted to put it with something that had like a really fragrant um lemony or like also had a flower essence in a sauce or like a cream sauce i was so excited about how that could be used with food which wine am i dreaming of mind which one was that the flowers I'm pretty sure that was the um, the Coliano Ribola Gialla. That is Ribola correct. Gialla yeah. grape is is amazing. I've fallen in love with this grape, and I only learned about it right before I started working for this import company. I happened to actually sell that wine. My rep from Savannah Distributing had come in one day, and he. Okay, so I was the I was the buyer at a retail store who took ridiculously long notes. And everybody knew that if you were going to see Monge, you had to like give extra time. And so they got they got used to that. 
Well, one day he comes in and he brings a bottle of wine and it's in a brown paper bag, which normally doesn't happen. And he says, I'm not going to tell you anything about this wine. You just have to try it. So he pours it for me blind and he says, try the wine. Tell me what you think. So I'm trying this wine and I'm, I'm swirling the glass and, and I'm smelling it. And I'm like, okay, I'm taking my notes and it's got all these flavors that I'm like, oh, what is that? Okay. It's got a little bit of this or this. But none of these combinations, you know, after I even sipped it, none of the combinations were things that I could say, all right, well, that's a Chardonnay or it's a Pinot Grigio or it's a, a, a whatever. I started thinking, okay, this has got to be a blend. So I was like, all right, is that a, a Viognier with Gewürztraminer? Is that a, a Marsan Roussan blend with something from someplace that I'd never come across? And he's laughing at the same time. He's like, no, 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 no. And he pulls out the bottle and says, this is a, a Rebola Giala. And then I started learning about the grape because I'd never come across one. I'd never seen it before. And it's one of those grapes that for the longest time, I mean, it's grown in Slovenia and Croatia and Northern Italy. And for the longest time, that was the grape that they just made for themselves. They, they made the wine and they kept it there. Now they're starting to, to you know, they're, they're making fantastic Rebola Giallas and they're starting to export it. So we're finally starting to see that grape, you know, and that's one of the things I love about the wine industry is, you know, you, you stumble onto new grapes. Um, but with that particular one, it's kind of a winemaker's grape. You can do a whole lot of different things to it. You can do it stainless steel, bone dry. It'll take a little bit of oak. Or a whole lot of oak. The grape has a thicker skin, so you can make an orange wine out of it. And some of these great producers are are doing just that. They're making some wonderful orange wines uh, coming from the Rebola Giala grape. You can also make a sparkling wine out of it. So it just sort of depends on um, on what the winemaker wants to do, and uh, depending on where it's grown, but it's kind of a winemaker's grape, kind of like Chardonnay is a winemaker's grape. Rebola Giala is also a winemaker's grape. That's a great comparison because I think that it lets the winemaker really put that artistic spin on it or have a style preference. And that keeps it really exciting as kind of a, a grape to try again and again and again. Like just because you've had one style doesn't mean that you've tasted it all or that it would go with a different dish. For me personally, I do a lot of wine pairing dinners. So I'm looking for super interesting flavors, things that stop me in my tracks and say, what is that and I specifically remember trying one of the Slovenian wines and being like I have never tasted anything like that and for me as a wine geek that's really exciting when I taste something that is so unfamiliar um, and I guess that leads me to questioning you what is a flavor or a wine recently that has made you go what is that I'm sure you taste a lot so tell me one that's really shocked you lately oh wow um <laughs> I would have to say, all right, um, there was a little, I was out in Texas over the holidays and uh, someone introduced me to a Texas grown Alianico. Now I've had Alianicos before coming out of, out of Italy, but I'd never had one grown in the States before. 
so of course, you know, great that you know and you love being coming from an unusual location kind of had to just say, all right, what is this? So I tried that. And I mean, it, it had, um, you know, it had this really nice dark fruit. And I think it was a little more fruit forward than some of the wines that I've had from Italy before. Uh, but it was just a really neat expression of the grape. So yeah, that was probably my most recent, like, seriously, this? Yeah, you were questioning it. You were like, how is this even possible? But you had to try it because it was just that intriguing. That's exactly. perfect. <laughs> awesome. So I have to ask you, what's coming up on your agenda? Are you traveling anywhere? Where are you taking your wines that people listening might be able to go try? Tell me some of your big wine events to kick off 2019. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, actually, the biggest thing is we are we're launching a new brand in Atlanta called Crosno. Uh, I'm really excited about this because there's a, there's a Pinot Noir and a Ribola Gialla. There's also a sparkling uh, Ribola Gialla, uh, which is really great. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Talk of the Table actually brought in the sparkling already, and they did an event with us uh, at the uh, right before the holidays, um, and you know, it just flew off the shelf. So it was great to see people like they 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 liked it, they doubt it, and you know, and they 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 came back for it. So that's that's great. So we're working with a brand new distributor called Wine Insight, and uh, we're moving that into the market. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, January itself is a lot of, you know. I'll be running around just locally trying to uh, introduce these wines to the stores here. And then come February, be doing a trip through um, South Carolina uh, to help our, distri our distributor in, in South Carolina. And then, yeah, then it just starts, you're running after that. It's uh, Louisiana and getting into Alabama. Um, and yeah, you're running. Next thing you know, it's gonna be summertime. So it'll be crazy. That is so amazing. You're always on the go, Manj. That's why I appreciate your time today. Any last words about the Atlanta market that would be encouraging for a future wine lover or a current wine lover here? The only thing I would say, all right, so I come from an independent retail background and I really believe that the independent stores are where you're gonna find uh, buyers who are taking risks and who also are gonna take the time to get to know you. And that's what I loved about, about being a, a, you know, a retailer for like 15 years. Find somebody that, that you trust, who's not gonna take you all over the map immediately, but who's gonna take the time to figure out what you like Who's going to listen to you and then is going to make suggestions based on that and then when you're ready start trying different things you know, and go to as many tastings as you can because your palate will evolve try new things because there will be something that goes oh wow you know and that oh wow moment when you try something and you're like okay i want more of this yeah 
that that's that be my advice spoken like a true wine lover giving us all the encouragement to taste 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 and try new things thank you so much for your time today manj hope to see you around the tasting rooms oh same Th kelly thank you so much